I'm Martin Rees, Chairman of the ECG Henderson Institute, and I'm joined for today's EHI podcast by Georg Kell, who's the Chairman of Arabesque, an ESG quant fund, and also the founder and former head of the UN Global Compact, and one of the best-known figures in the sustainability movement. Recently, along with Herman Brill and Andreas Rascher, he co-edited an important new book on sustainability called Sustainable Investing, A Path to New Horizons, which is a fairly unique combination of perspectives of academics and practitioners. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So congratulations on the, the book. I know it was a long time in the making, Georg, and welcome. Thank you, Martin. So obviously an important topic, and much has been written about sustainability. And I know that you, you thought that the topic needed a refresh. So what is essentially new about the book? What new perspectives does it bring? It brings to clear focus uh, the convergence between what's happening in the corporate landscape, corporate sustainability on the one hand, and sustainable finance, and how these two movements are meeting now thanks to technology. So the perspective is really one of convergence and projecting both the evolution, the current trends, but also giving an outlook into the future of where this is heading. And do you think that that's a convergence which needs to occur, or you think it's a convergence that is actually occurring? It's a natural evolutionary process, uh, so to speak, because in the corporate world, as you know, Martin, many, many incremental changes have taken place over the past two decades. Each one by itself may not look like a big thing, but when you step back, you will see that business models today are very different from 20 years ago. Strategies have changed. Externality treatment has changed. Human resource issues, even government affairs have changed. So that's these many incremental changes add up to quite a momentum. That's in the corporate world. In the world of finance, the notion of ESG investing really took off only recently when the first empirical evidence was presented that indeed ESG good performance at the corporate level is associated with good valuation in financial terms. And that trend has picked up enormously in the past couple of years. And now we see this convergence where finance increasingly is having a deeper look into the corporate sustainability world and trying to assess the risks and the opportunities through a new lens. And it's the convergence of these two trends which really makes it interesting. It's a whole new momentum going on now. I guess the title of the book implies that there's a special role for finance. And that makes sense from a certain perspective that corporations look to the investors for their cues on what's important. From another perspective, you know, it's perhaps hardest to imagine investors placing this as a first priority across the board. Where do you think we are in that journey towards sustainable finance becoming mainstream? Well, let me go back a little bit in the history, uh, as we also describe in the book. The notion of ESG is not new. It was created 2005 in a report called Who Cares Wins under the Global Compact. In those days, only a few asset owners would embrace the idea of universal ownership and acting on the notion that bad externality actually damages our portfolios. Therefore, we should have an interest in minimizing negative impacts. Not much happened really in, in that decade. Financial crisis, remember, big debate on overregulation versus uh, and financial easing. Only as recent as 2014, 
the first meta studies came out from different places, including one by Arabesque with Oxford University, but also many other places that showed there is indeed a connection between ESG performance at the corporate level and financial valuation. Ever since then, the world of finance has really doubled down on ESG notions, quantification of non-traditional financial issues. And now I would argue the world of finance is not only catching up with the real economy, but actually increasingly is setting the tone and giving directions. So it's quite amazing how rapid that transformation in the world of finance is unfolding as we speak. Part of the explanation, obviously, is finance doesn't have to deal with physical assets and complex supply chains and uh, processes. It's rather a question of strategies, methods, and valuation schemes. So the transformation can indeed happen much faster. And that's exactly what is playing out right now. So you've been on this journey from the very beginning. You founded the UN Global Compact. There wasn't such an organization before you created it that marshaled the resources of the corporate sector towards sustainability ends. Now, at a level of reports and metrics, a lot has happened, but still we're not really moving the needle on climate change. So I wonder whether you could put it into perspective for us. What has been achieved since the early days and what are the biggest obstacles to further progress, do you think? Yeah, let me go back one step to explain also the big theme of the book, really. The realization that the pace of change is accelerating technology, planetary boundaries, as we call it in the book, are increasingly forcing us to act. Social changes are happening faster, and we are living in an increasingly messy world where we have increasingly political frameworks which are not working towards coherence, but increasingly are fragmenting. In this environment, the corporate world and the world of finance is particularly challenged to question its traditional assumptions. And the textbook assumptions of perfect markets in equilibrium, where you only look at some macro figures, just no longer hold. And we were greatly inspired, for example, by uh, Martin uh, Andrew Lowe's book on adaptive markets, which we found was a step in that direction, but didn't go far enough. And the same applies on the climate agenda. It's unfolding as we speak, and the reactions to it are fragmented. On the one hand, we see more and more companies embracing net zero carbon by 2050. The shift in the energy sector is happening probably faster than many predicted two years ago. Major oil companies now becoming major investors in electricity and renewables. So on the one hand, much is changing and has been changing, but the real momentum arguably is only now really playing out in full force. What happened in the past 10, 20 years was a prelude, was a preparing for a transformation going in that direction, but the impact so far has been fairly small. But now I believe I'm convinced that more and more corporates and more and more financial institutions are actually making a leap forward, realizing that some of these externalities can no longer be ignored. They have to be priced in. Their risks have to be assessed in a different way. The timescale dimension is a different one. Just a short-term perspective no longer is sufficient to secure long-term survival. So that's why the subtitle of our book also Pathway to a New Horizon plays to that dilemma. And COVID clearly has helped us to sharpen the focus there. So I do believe that these market-led transformations are now gaining an enormously new momentum. And there's great evidence outlined in the book to that end. But obviously, 
market-led changes by themselves are not sufficient. So you're saying that basically it's not just your reports and declarations that due to the increasing urgency of the situation, you see fundamental changes in attitudes and commitments. But, but nevertheless, we do have to accelerate collective action. If you were to speculate about the next bottleneck, most important thing that we could do better or more, what would that be? Well, as our book and various contributions make very clear, including your wonderful chapter, Martin, with uh, Professor Simon Levin, is the fact that in today's world, corporates and financial institutions have to have a systemic look and have to analyze all forces that are playing out around them. So the black box thinking and the min-max linear optimization just is no longer good enough. And if you adopt a systemic perspective on change, it's pretty clear that on issues such as climate change, it's obviously a societal challenge where all parts of society have to play a role. And currently, in this fragmenting world, obviously on the policy front, there's a great disconnect where still policies favor industrial policy, industrial era notions, and do not sufficiently reward yet, say, decarbonization or energy efficiency and related shifts. So the policy front is probably the next big thing. I'm just back from Europe where many corporations now are doubling down on decarbonization, largely because of European Commission's initiatives, such as the Green Deal and uh, the EU recovery, which puts a clear emphasis on transformation towards low-carbon technologies. That kind of push, obviously, is enormously important to bring to scale many of the bottom-up solutions that already are, are taking root. And unless these movements are, are becoming the new normal, we won't obviously change the landscape overall. So it is a complex process, a societal give and take. In the end, everybody has to play along, policymaking, people individually in their preference setting, corporates, and so forth. One of the tricky things about many of these sustainability problems, of course, is that they are global problems and our governance works mainly at the level of individual companies or individual countries. Do you see that as a, an obstacle? And what are your thoughts on addressing a global problem in a global manner? Currently, we're obviously in a dilemma situation because uh, the world is fragmenting. The Paris Accord was the last highlight, if you so want, of multilateral collaboration. That system basically has broken down since then, be it in the health sector or in, on the climate front or even in other areas such as terrorist threats. Unfortunately, I have to say as a former UN <laughs> civil servant who still believes in the idea of collaboration, I am, however, convinced that over time, governments all over the world will understand the case for collaboration again. So I'm quite confident that at some point in time, we will rediscover that it's in the national interest to collaborate. It will come back again. I, I believe it's a phase we are in. I hope we come out of it well and very soon. In the meantime, I would argue this bottom-up approach is very important. There's no reason to slow down. Because uh, leading by example, even at the subnational level, and charting a new course will be the building block for the future. Progress is uneven, yes, but the good practices, the best solutions will ultimately win out. So in the meantime, we are in this fuzzy world that is disconnected to quite some extent, but the bottom-up solutions are the building blocks for the future. You have a very... Um 
eclectic and uh, illustrious collection of authors writing the book. And um, you're very familiar with the field, of course, having been in it for years. I just wondered, what are some of your favorite insights from the, the book, things that struck you as new or interesting that you want to bring to people's attention? Well, I was very positively surprised that most of the contributions recognized the systemic nature of the challenges. So they saw the firm and financial institutions as part of a wider system. That is a very positive surprise, uh, basically making the case for a more evolutionary approach to our thinking, which came through very strongly. Secondly, most contributions also recognized uh, the pace of change is indeed accelerating. Technology, planetary boundary feedback loops, social changes. So change management and related issues have moved upfront on the agenda. And thirdly, technology. Technology obviously is the best hope we have. And technology is also the bridge between the corporate approach and the financial approach. So technology came out really as the strong driver in between and the neutral, if you so want, leverage point through which we can collectively make progress on this journey. The role of technology clearly is very dominant and uh, both in finance now increasingly discovered, but also at the corporate level where major shifts are happening from traditional approaches of producing to new ones. So these are probably the big three highlights. And then in addition, the case for multidisciplinary interpretation of the changes as being increasingly necessary for getting a handle on the forces that are driving the change and devising the right responses. So I'm, I'm very pleased that uh, most contributors have embraced that mindset. An important uh, component of many of the arguments in the book, it strikes me, is that it's not just a moral or collective imperative for corporations to step up in relation to sustainability, but it's in their own interest. The meta studies showing that actually sustainable strategies can be uh, advantageous. Of course, that can't automatically be the case because enterprises also have to be viable. So as you observe this uh, connection between sustainable strategies and competitive advantage, what I call bringing the two big S words together, sustainable competitive advantage and sustainability. Are there any characteristics of corporations that get that synthesis or that synergy right? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that if uh, the CEO uh, supported by the board understand and embrace change and acknowledge the simple reality that we're in the midst of a major transformation and the pace of change is accelerating, and there are certain imperatives that shape our future with scientific certainty. We can't deny it. Where that mindset prevails, there's a readiness for renewal from within, for reinvention, reimagining, repurposing the organization. That momentum is key for understanding and making a natural connection between profitability and sustainability. Once these two are embraced simultaneously, and the change momentum is indeed going on, then I'm pretty confident the solution part and the future profitability is secured. The question then obviously is, as you have asked so well in, in many of your contributions and in your wonderful articles, how to create the momentum for change when things are still going fairly okay and there's no immediate need for change, of course. So these slow-moving threats, the cannibalization happening on the fringes, but not yet at the core. How do you cannibalize yourself and reinvent yourself and how to create that momentum is a key challenge for many corporations. So final question, Georg, how do you feel about the COVID interruption of the sustainability momentum? Do you think that it's going to 
essentially fuel change is going to show us that we can achieve massive rapid collective change if we really want to? Or do you think it's going to be some sort of distraction, some sort of refocus on basic economics, given the recession and so on? Well, so far, I'm pretty convinced that COVID-19 has reinforced all the assumptions we spelled out in the book. Sustainability has been accelerating. Decarbonization efforts are doubling down. Many initiatives worldwide are seeing a new inflow of participants. Measuring decarbonization, for example, ESG investing has increased, while traditional investment approach have suffered more. COVID-19, in a way, is like a wake-up call to more resilience, to preparing better for the future, going back to basics and strengthening your home base. You see also in consumer shift preferences, a kind of a tendency towards healthier and more sustainable lifestyles. So overall, it's a boost for sustainability. Of course, the social dimension, the prospects of uh, unemployment and poverty can put huge dark clouds ahead of us. And there may be interruptions of all sorts of kinds around the corner. But clearly, COVID-19 has sharpened our minds for preparing better for the future. And that includes, above all, being better prepared on the sustainability front. So clearly an accelerator. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us today, Georg. We've been talking to Georg Kell about his new book, Sustainable Investing, A Path to a New Horizon from Routledge, which has just come out. I strongly recommend it. It's a great synthesis from a very eclectic set of perspectives, from a very knowledgeable set of people about a very important topic. And you get the market view and the more sort of corporate view and to some extent the technical view of the challenges too. So congratulations again on the book, Georg, and thank you very much. Thank you, Martin. Thank you.